Next hour on most of these the same frequencies. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Today we are going to talk about a rather serious topic, the future. This is Cracking the Code with Sadir Ispahani. In this episode, a conversation with Tata Communications Managing Editor and Group CEO Vinod Kumar. The foundation of my leadership style is my belief that people by nature are good. A key to successful execution, he says, is creating an environment where you can acknowledge failure and recognize the need to change direction. Especially in the world of technology, we all begin with hypotheses. And invariably, these need to be questioned, challenged, and your direction has to change. And in most organizations, the environment doesn't permit admission of failure and changing direction. How how does Kumar measure success? Helping people maximize their potential is really what floats my boat. So a good day for me is one where I feel I've helped somebody expand their potential. Although worries about security keep him up at night, Kumar says he's optimistic about the future. And I do believe that good will prevail over evil, although you know, that I think a lot of people are very worried that the evil gang will take over. I, I don't think so. The most smarts on the good camp on this than on the evil camp. Now your guide for cracking the code, Sudhir Ispahani. Vinod, I'd like to start very early on to take us back a little bit to your childhood and we'll, uh, we'll traverse that journey, if you don't mind, all the way to, to your current role. Sure. Can you share a little bit about how you grew up and how you ended up where you, where you are currently? I grew up in Chennai, uh, in India, um, and... Um, I was very blessed to have parents um, who just showered my brother and me with lots of love and uh, tons of emotional support, which I think is crucial for determining who you are as a person. So I'm very grateful to both my mom and dad for um, providing such a loving and safe environment. And at the same time, you know, I was, um, my dad uh, is an engineer uh, and um, and a business person who did lots of uh, international business at that time, traveling all over the world. So I got my exposure to uh, technology as well as um, the global nature of uh, business from a very early uh, stage by watching my dad. Uh, and my mother, while a homemaker, was very involved with um, uh, lots of social work. And so at any point in time, my house was always filled with uh, people with uh, all kinds of needs. Uh, and it became like a, sh a shelter that wasn't meant to be a shelter in a way. But um, between the, my, both my mom and my dad, I got um, exposure to, you know, just the world of business. Uh, but not, you know, my dad, I'm not sure, has the best commercial acumen, but he just has a very innate uh, sense for, um, you know, what works, especially from a technology perspective, and got sensitized to the human natures through um, the compassion that my mother had uh, for everyone around us. So uh, that and playing a lot of sport, uh, I think, were foundational elements in uh, shaping the way I look at the world and how I try to um, lead myself um, as, as a person. Um, I was active in the Boy Scouts, played um, tons of sports and... Uh, and um, you know, learned through my uh, dad's coaching that uh, effort is required 
uh, to succeed whether it be in sport or uh, in school or otherwise but the nature of things i did was always with teams so um the 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 benefits of working with a team and uh, enjoying that uh, came uh, you know as l- valuable lessons very early on in a very unstructured way but in a very uh, imp- uh, impression leaving manner and um, one of the questions you'd asked was my first experience as a leader and i'd say it's really in in the boy scouts and um, and and i did various things as um, uh, one does while growing up playing sports um being members of different teams leading leading some following in in others but my big experience as a leader was um when i was in high school and i was chosen as uh, the um head boy or school pupil leader and that was quite an interesting experience because it was the uh, 75th anniversary of our school at that time and we had to organize something which was had never been done before and we uh, worked um, together as a team and pulled off something that uh, even today in chennai school circles is discussed as the first event of its kind that was launched and that you know really gave me the exposure of, and I, that was an elected position by the way so it uh, did, did require <laughs> some level of campaigning to get there but um, it um, but that event in particular um, was uh i think for me a landmark moment um in experiencing uh, uh you know managing and leading uh, people less and and in in that context with uh, less authority or no authority but still achieving uh the objectives that were uh, set out so i i i think everything i've done it really comes from those early days and um very blessed and with the kind of exposure that i had and learned many things then without knowing that they were actually lessons that would help uh, for a long time fascinating we know to hear that that stellar background especially in the early childhood that shaped uh, very understandably now your uh, your natural leadership style but growing up did you did you think that you're really going to be a leader at the helm of a very large uh, conglomerate like you are today or uh, was that an aspiration I don't I didn't consciously think of size and scale of organization and so on but the the thing that I wanted to do was I wanted to be in global business and I think thinking back even when I was 7 8 years old uh I'm sure a large part it was uh adoration for my dad <laughs> that I wanted to be in global business I thought it was pretty cool I thought uh, the chance to um work with people especially work with people in experienced cultures um across the whole uh, universe would be um exciting and that's what I wanted to do and I used to think you know I could either do that by being a business person or a diplomat or a teacher anything that would take me um uh overseas regularly to different places of the world so that's <laughs> as much as i uh, thought about the career i didn't really think whether it was going to be in technology or in or in any other sphere in fact at that point i was um fairly seriously contemplating a career in medicine even because of my um larger families um uh, some some of their business interests in 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 healthcare uh, but uh, i'm glad i steered veered away from that it's clear that uh, you know you um you've been very successful all the way to now and 
hearing you talk a little bit about your childhood um, background, uh, I just want to focus in a little bit on those foundational values and morals. How did that shape your leadership style, Vinod? I mean, can you share a little bit on on uh, what that means, you know, how you sort of lead with those foundational morals and values? Well, one, I, I think the, the foundation um, of my leadership style is my belief that um, people by nature uh, are good. Um, and my leadership style has always been based on implicit trust. And I feel that, you know, everyone comes or wakes up and gets out of bed, whether it's to go jo- uh, come to work or do anything else, um, to, to do good things in life. And uh, that gets muddled along the way and I'm not naive uh, and blind to that. But I feel that um, tapping into the goodness of people and trying to multiply and leverage their positives is extremely powerful and energizing and liberating. And through accentuating and or enhancing the, the positives, um, the weaknesses that all of us have actually diminish and recede. So at the core of my belief um, in any um, uh, setting, whether it be with uh, at home with uh, children and, and, and my wife or with uh, friends or at work, that, that's my consistent um, belief system. And I try to apply that in in many different um, in different ways, of course, depending on the situation and and the person. But that it's that is that that's really at the core. That's uh, it's wonderful to hear you say that. And you know, clearly, uh, leadership is also about uh, successful execution. And uh, in your mind, Vinod, how does that play out when you think of? Uh, execution and what that really means as a leader you know when you're in a position of leadership yeah the you know the the vision and the strategy is meaningless unless you execute it and then find ways to break the mold and then uh, you know uh, reinvigorate it and 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 create new inflection so i totally accept that and agree with it Um, but the way i try to approach it is really um, on, on two things one is to define um, with the team, with ad, with everybody's input, and that that's quite important. That it's not thrust down on people. Uh, <clears throat> that uh, together we define and shape a large vision. Um, second aspect is uh, we're not to worry about execution at that time. To define a large vision. The second is to seek ways through individual conversations to align. Uh, professional purpose or this larger purpose of the group mm-hmm. with individual purpose. So I feel that um, especially as people get older, uh, the emphasis that needs to be placed on this alignment is crucial to get their maximum engagement and to win both their heart and their mind. So that is normally my um, second um, step. The third is um, to make sure that uh, the 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 vision is defined in a manner that's broad enough and its horizon is uh, long um, so that people you know don't um, lose passion or energy uh, during uh, the course uh, of, of the journey um, and and this also involves in including all stakeholders right because you for something to be executed well it is important to 
keep in mind in a business context you know of your customers your employees your investors the communities that you serve um the institutions that you know uh, govern whether they be national or industry and so on it's important to really address that um so i found that investing the time to have these um conversations both with the individuals who have to achieve uh, the success as and, and and together as a team actually sets the best foundation for execution um then comes uh, agreeing on you know what the metrics are to determine success along the way and finally um so people do respect what you inspect so there has to be uh, some uh, cadence and rhythm uh, for uh, reviewing progress and to make course corrections as required um and um the last bit to succeed in execution is to try and create Uh, an environment where there is no fear to change course um especially in the world of technology we all begin with hypotheses uh, and invariably these need to uh, to be questioned challenged and your direction has to change um and uh, in most um uh, organizations the um the the environment doesn't permit admission of um failure and changing direction i don't think we do it as well as we should either but they just being aware of it and keep and and emphasizing that it's okay for us to apply lessons from the mistakes we've made uh, as long as we catch them early and and act on them um then execution will work you know you may have few missteps along the way but you will eventually reach uh, the destination you've set for yourself so i'd say those are my sort of um it uh, uh tips on execution that works for me couple more questions on on just uh, leadership in general and how would you define you know your success as a leader i mean when you sort of look at yourself at the end of the day how do you define that you've done well and uh, well for yourself and and right by others as a leader for me i define success by um you know really on the people side um of things if maximizing you know helping people maximize their potential is really what floats my boat right um so a good day for me is one where i i feel i've helped somebody um expand their potential right and it's it's really it's all about them but just facilitating coaching and inspiring them and motivating them to see what they already have in them uh and that when that's done as a team then it's even more powerful um so that's you know that 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 is one uh definition of success for me and in you know a day that involves that um you know is is a good day the other is just um um taking uh, ideas and thoughts and expanding them right uh, i i love the process of juxtaposing different um ideas different concepts and creating um uh, new paradigms or or uh, creating um new thought streams that can be further explored the energy that gets released um, um is palpable um and and i think it's it's also where um, differentiation um real joy and and eventual success comes from so it's it's 
you know, it, it, I, I summarize, you know, my personal slogan is, um, uh, I don't know if I've shared this with you, uh, Sudhir, before in conversations, but I have a personal slogan, uh, which just stands for FGH plus multiply. Um, and, and it's no uh, particular order, but each of those stand for something. For me, the F, for the first F, the F stands for fellowship. So I look for opportunities where when uh, people come together in any setting, um, the, the fellowship is the lingering effect, the lingering energy that remains on what we created. So it's not transactional. G for me stands for um, uh, grand as in grand thinking, scale thinking. And G stands for God because I, I have a very deep rooted uh, belief in, um, uh, in the Almighty. And uh, H stands for um, uh, being humane and being humble. And uh, the plus and the multiply really stand for using every interaction that, that we have um, in our day-to-day -day lives um, to either add to or multiply the energy because at the end of the day, that's the only thing that we leave behind when we, when we vanish from this place. So I, you know, I sort of try, you know, I clearly don't follow this every single time and I fail probably more times than I succeed, but try to remind myself uh, many times every day uh, on, you know, I use this as a code to shape my personal behavior. No, you hadn't shared that uh, insight before, you know, then sort of I had an inkling, having gotten to know you a little bit of your uh, very deep-rooted base of not just values but spirituality that drives your natural leadership style so great to hear that and i hope for our listeners on the show too that they would pick up this very incredible insight and it's so important for all of us to to be reminded of that and practice it every day one more uh question on leadership and then we'll probably move to to the world of technology which uh, you spend a lot of time in these days as the CEO of Tata Communications. So I wanted to uh, really ask you, if you had to define your leadership style by one sentence, what would that be? I would say um, that my leadership style is based on uh, co-creating or co-establishing uh, inspirational goals that um, stretch and demonstrate that personal capability can expand and to always keep um, the human side um, of, um, of, of, of business um, uh, at, the, at its core, uh, that we never forget that at the end of the day, um, it's, it's really all about uh, uh, people. And, uh, you know, I... Um, very inspired by J.R.D. Tata, who had, um, you know, he did, he did many great things, but one of the things that he emphasized on, on was uh, leading affectionately, uh, but leading affectionately for a strong profit. Uh, he was also the one who uh, emphasized that uh, for-profit business um, and the mot motivations of for-profit business do not necessarily have to be in opposition to doing what's right for the communities that we serve. So those are, you know, uh, um, th th that's what I try to weave into the way I lead uh, in my own limited way. 
Thank you, Vinod. I mean, I think that's, you know, it's also an inspiration to have had uh, leaders like JRD go ahead of us that we can look to and, and be inspired from. And clearly, you're one of those uh, that I've actually gleaned and learned from, even the short few interactions we've had together. Just switching on to the world of technology, uh, technology, as as you know, we know this is a big part of what you do every day in terms of trying to sift through creating profit and building profit out of it for data communications. But it's a serious enabler, and it, in its own form, disaggregates labor pools in many ways and and requires constant retooling and reinvention of, of people. How do you see some of these big moves in technology that are happening today uh, that are going to affect society? Let's use AI as an example. You know, it's at the forefront of many, many people's minds today. Yeah, f- firstly, you know, I'm a firm believer that technology is an enabler. Um, and it improves life um, and it can be harnessed to um, make the world a better place for all of us. Um, The technologies such as AI clearly have the potential um, uh, to um, uh, increase productivity um, in day-to-day life and in business and should be fully used without fear of um, uh, job displacement. Um, having said that, um, we cannot um, uh, pursue in adopting these technologies without addressing uh, proactively and ahead of time the, uh, the natural fallouts that will happen. Um, you know, if you look at the, uh, um, uh, the, the you know, economic development of the world and, 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 and technology, of various forms being uh, adopted over over centuries, uh, human beings have always benefited from it as long as they have uh, made themselves versatile from a skill standpoint. So I would say um, the, the emphasis needs to be on on learning uh, and reskilling, and both individuals have to take personal responsibility for it. But more importantly, organizations need to make sincere attempts, and I underscore sincere attempts to uh, enable learning uh, and preparing people for the future. And, um, and, the, and, and what is also required there is for organizations to provide clarity and as much transparency and predictability as possible on um, the time frames um, within which technology will uh, be applied and will lead to let's say specifically job displacement and work with the uh, workforce in advance to prepare for that future. I believe the the mistake that we are doing today is we are responding too late. Um, Let me me back. I think the mistakes we're making first is not being completely transparent um, as to how technology is going to be used and what its real impact will be. Second is we are not working early enough um, to allow people to um, reskill themselves. And the third is we're not providing um, adequate handholding during the transition period uh, for those who are involved. I feel that if these muscles are developed in organizations and are done with sincerity, the technology issues on uh, uh, or the technology lead, the problem of technology leading, leading to job displacement, 
um, can can be uh, nullified to a large extent. Clearly, this is uh, at the forefront of your mind, uh, being at the helm of telecommunications, but also. You 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 spend a lot of time interacting with leaders within your organization. I mean, do you see them seeing the world the same way you do, or when it comes to uh, to this particular area? Well, they don't see the world as I do. Thankfully, for many other areas too. <laughs> But in, in in this one, I, I I feel that there is consensus now. Um, the challenges with dealing with short-term pressures. Uh, in terms of results, in terms of the time available, and so on, it it falls off the radar, and that's where I think the responsibility lies on leadership to um, to communicate um, the vision, uh, to roll up uh, our sleeves and participate in in building these plans because these haven't been done uh, before at this level of magnitude uh, and with the urgency that's required. um and um and to um um you know co-create these concept or, or these um uh you know these methodologies of dealing with the disruption caused by technology both with internal leaders so it's a team effort but frankly share extensively with the out um uh, with even competition of required uh, because this is not an issue that is unique to one company it's or one industry it's across companies across industries across countries so we have in fact a program called project cultivate uh, which it is doing exactly this and recently we decided that we will open the platforms that we've created to other companies um although it's still it's almost in a beta mode but we've done a fair bit of work uh, for um uh our our employees to assess where they are on the technology curve um they can assess whether they what is the risk of their job being digitized um what's what other jobs are suitable for them that exist today based on their hist- on their background um so on and so forth so to essentially wake them up to the reality uh that they face and then if once that is done opening them up to a plethora of uh, um uh, training and other uh, practical uh, interventions that will help them uh, improve their skills and uh, that they already have and build some new ones and it also has a, you know a marketplace uh, for roles uh, within the organization and now we want to expand all of this to um, to uh, uh, comp- you know other companies as well that's very um, interesting to hear and obviously uh, you've lived through decades of evolution of technology and uh, i'm sure you would agree we're at the cusp of another big evolution of emerging technologies and disruption in this space what keeps you up at night when you think of this whole technology disruption piece i mean is there a piece that really sort of um, nags at you the thing that keeps me up at night um as far as technology is concerned is uh, are, are two things one is i think the nearer term uh, pressure of uh, on security right um yeah the with more computing at the edge with the actually more than that if the perimeter being uh, expanded so incredibly um it's the ability for organizations and individuals to control um data is um a, a very tough problem to solve uh it seems like a tough problem to solve today i believe it will be solved 
and uh, and I do believe that good will prevail over evil. Um, although you know, that I think a lot of people are very worried that um, the evil gang will uh, will uh, will take over. I I don't think so. Um, they're more smart on the good good camp on this than on the evil camp. Um, so that that's one um, from a nearer term perspective. From a longer term perspective, it's this whole thing of. Um, um, fairly, um, um, you know, a, a significant uh, displacement of um, white collar roles, and uh, and and when you look at it, you know, we did some analysis, and you know, there've been more formal studies done by McKinsey and others. But even with a, a mid-level manager who has about 15 years experience, you can have up to 60% of the work they do being rule-based work. Um, and even at a CEO level, you know, my, my back of the envelope calculation was about 20% of what I do is rule-based work. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe I'm being too kind to myself. Maybe it's much more than that. Um, and, and all that can be replaced with, uh, with, uh, with, with uh, automation. And it should be replaced with automation. So... Um, unless organizations wake up to this, I feel that you you know will impact uh, adversely impact uh, the lives of many people unnecessarily. Uh, but it can be thwarted with uh, some, as I said, with transparency and acceptance uh, and proactively addressing it. So this is what I you know I think about the most. Very interesting and fascinating, actually. You know, so I wanted to find out what the latest book is that you read that's influenced some of your thinking. Uh, I'm reading a book called Originals by Adam Grant now. Um, sort of a third of the way into it, uh, but the previous book was um, um, called Darwin to Munger by Peter Bevelin. So those are my, uh, and that was quite a fascinating book along the lines of uh, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow by uh, Kahneman. Um, I'm quite fascinated with um, uh, how uh, human beings make decisions. And uh, both these books make you very aware of all the biases uh, uh, that prevail in the way we think and make decisions. And, uh, and Originals, you know, it, it's really about um, breaking some of the myths around how original thinking um, and creativity uh, comes about and also delves pretty deep into the mind of the uh, successful entrepreneur. Very interesting. So I actually haven't read either of those, so I'll have to pick them up on my next read. So <laughs> the last question for you is, what is the epitaph, you know, that you would want people to remember you by? You know, I, I actually go through an exercise. I write this every year. Um, and over the last few years, it's been more or less around the same theme, which is um, if... If I'm remembered by uh, people for having lifted their energy, I'll be a happy man wherever I am. Very interesting. Uh, Lifted their energy. May I ask you to expand that a little bit? It's a very powerful statement in the world we live in. It it goes back to, you know, my my whole uh, theory that while we are, you know, molecules that sort of... uh, get lost um, you know uh, in in the in the universe uh, the laws of physics um, essentially 
you know, uh, lead, lead me to the conclusion that the only thing that we leave behind are the vibrations of our energy, right? And then that gets passed on to other molecules around us and then so on and, and, and it, it, that chain never stops. So we have two choices. We can either negatively agitate and make everybody around us agitated with that negative energy, which then they take home and then they take to their friends and then it, it, and then their family members take it to others, so on and so forth. Or we try and create a positive feeling um, and and leave that energy which then um, you know vibrates uh, through forever um, and um, and it, it's very simple if you you know at, at work you can shout at some just you can shout at somebody just as they're leaving for not having done uh, their job well uh, and you can almost guarantee that that person will either display road rage or uh, <laughs> go shout at their kids or spouse and then that just carries on or you can convey the same message but in in a positive way and in a constructive way and then that will leave them energized to to up their game and do better but in you know in in a manner that they feel not put down and feel feel in control um, and I think that's you know it goes back to my plus and multiply concept and uh, I hope that you know, over the course of my life that I can do, you know, do more, you know, spread more of the positive energy and less of the negative energy. And if I'm remembered for the delta, which is incrementally positive, I'll be happy. Thank you, Vinod. That has been actually, that uh, that's a very uh, insightful set of uh, statements that you've made at the closing of this show, which uh, I know I will remember. And uh, it's been a privilege to know you as a leader and... Uh, Thank you for coming on the show as our guest, and uh, I look forward to many more opportunities to spend time with you. Thank you, Sudhir. Really appreciate it. I'm glad you gave me this opportunity. Final thoughts from your guide for cracking the code, Sudhir Ispahani. Vinod is another incredible leader that I've had the privilege of getting to know in a very short time. And he really leads from his, uh, what I would call, what conviction from his heart and what he really believes. And some key elements of the interview were very loud and clear from him, that he really operates from an implicit place of trust. For some of us in the leadership world, that's hard to understand. But Vinod really is, he wears his heart on his shoulder. You can see him really say things. You feel like you're looking into his, his heart. He's not making things up. And he just follows those very simple morals and values that one should follow in leadership. And he really believes in them wholeheartedly and then brings them straight out to being practicing them in his leadership world. And for him, I think, you know, when he was talking about successful execution, I was thinking about how does he create an environment where people are really comfortable around him, being in the role that he is in as the CEO of a large firm. He brings out that thought process in his mind that he wants to make people comfortable around him, wants to make them feel that they are respected, that they're heard out, that they're understood. Part of that is being a good listener, right? One of the things Vinod talks about when I had asked him what does he want people to remember him by as a leader, which I thought was very interesting, was, you know, he makes it very clear that he wants people to remember him by having lifted them up, having uplifted them, having given them positive energy by being in his presence. That's a very unique uh, way of, of bringing about 
what is really important for him in making sure others are comfortable around him and, and really what they should think about who he is and what they should think about themselves. And the whole issue of, you know, exuding positive energy versus negative energy, I think he's very focused on that, which I think is very important for all of us if you're working in a high-stress environment, especially in the world of technology. In the next episode of Cracking the Code with Sudhir Ispahani, Metricstream CEO Shelly Arshambo shares her life story and vision of the future. Learn how being bullied on the school playground prepared her for the business world. <sighs> Getting constantly tripped on the playground. I mean, I still have scars on my knees from, from all that. You know, I got jumped and beat up by kids in my class. I mean, it's just awful. The fact that you can survive it teaches you that you actually can survive it. Shelly Archambault on the next episode of Cracking the Code with Sudhir Isfahani. <laughs>